Um, I want to today encourage you in God's Word, and we're going to open it to the book of Acts chapter 16, so you can be finding that and turning it uh, to that passage. Um, What I want to talk with you about today, what I want to encourage all of us today, no matter where you are in life, is that we have the ability to experience an incredible gift that God has given access to every single one of us in this life. And it's an incredible gift, to be sure. It is the gift of peace in our lives. You know, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what your education is, how much or how little money you have, where you live or what neighborhood you live in, where you go to church, where you work, any of that. It's innate in all of us as human beings to seek a peaceful place in life. And we're going to talk about that now as we open God's Word and look at it together. But before we do, would you pray with me? Father, what a privilege it is for us to boldly declare through song today with hearts courageous that we love you, that we adore you, and we believe in you. We stake our lives, our destiny, our future into your hands. And with great peace and assurance, we believe that you are our conqueror and our Christ. And we've never been in a safer place than to put our lives there. Today, as we come to worship you, to declare your infinite worth in our lives, we pray now that as we open the timeless, truthful word of God, that your spirit would do that which is supernatural. God, there's nothing profound in the ability of human language for us to speak to each other that transforms lives. It is a supernatural work of God's power and spirit that moves inside of us, that transforms lost souls. And so today I ask, Spirit, that you would come in this room with us, that you would speak to us, that we'd hear your words not only with physical ears, but with the ears of our heart, as Scripture teaches us. I pray that no matter where we are or find ourselves in life's journey or the spiritual journey of life, that you would encourage us today. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As I said, most people are cognitively, if at least not subconsciously, looking to find a peaceful place in their life. We're always striving for it. We start out early in life and Maybe when we're young, we think about, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do for a career? And who's God got for me to marry? Who am I going to uh, meet and marry and fall in, love, uh, fall in love and marry? Hopefully get it in that order uh, with. Uh, all these kinds of dreams and aspirations that we have. When we get a little bit older in life, we start having families and things like that. We want to secure ourselves financially. We want to secure all the things about life that we can ensure about us. And we go looking for peace. I don't know about you. It's that time of year. Peaceful things to come to my mind are wearing out a a beach chair as I listen to the ocean waves pound against the sand. I love the beach to just kind of look at it something so vast and realize that somebody designed and created that speaks to my soul. Time of the year, it's also pleasant to think about maybe going to a mountain chalet somewhere with an open fire and watching snowflakes fall peacefully to the ground. These are peaceful places. Maybe having a candlelit dinner with somebody that your heart adores is a peaceful place. 
But we also have sons and daughters and husbands and wives that are standing in very dangerous places of the world today fighting on our behalf. When you're at war, you don't think of it as a peaceful place. Maybe when you're in prison, you don't think of it as a peaceful place. When you're in a broken marriage or a broken life, you don't think of it as a peaceful place. Now, if we follow that logically, what we come to the place in life is that where everybody else around us experiences life, we live it at the same pace and at the same place. And that is this. When things are good in my life, I can have peace. But when things are not good in my life, I have stress and internal conflict. We all get that, right? The only problem with that is that it's not biblical. That's not what God shows us or teaches us or calls us to, to live a different type of life in our world around us. God calls us to understand that peace in my life is not based on my circumstances, what I'm going through. I've lived life long enough to know that you're either in a storm in your life today, maybe you've just come out of a storm, or somewhere in your near future, this is an encouragement, right? You're going to go into a storm again. That's just the way life is. And we have to understand God's perspective in our life to maintain peace in our lives. Here's the key to this. Peace in your life is not in proximity to the danger that you're facing in your current circumstances. Peace in your life is in proximity to your relationship with God. I want to read this story to you out of Acts chapter 16. It's an incredible story because it inspires me in so many different ways as we read it. The reactions that you see, the responses are so unique that it it illuminates our ability to see and understand what it is that God has for us today. Begin, first of all, in Acts chapter 16, verse 22, and let's discover that peace has nothing to do with fairness. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison, into a dungeon. Their jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the deepest, darkest, the inner dungeon, and clamped their feet with stocks. I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe life is fair? Probably none of us, right? If you've lived life very long, we kind of naively come into the world and we believe like, if I'm a good guy, then good things will happen to me. If I love people, then people will love me back. If I'm generous with other people, people will be generous with me. If I treat people honestly and fairly in a business deal, they're going to treat me honestly and fairly in that same business deal. Have you tried that one lately? If you live very long, you discover that this world is not a very fair place, right? And quickly it can lead us to a number of places. But I don't know of a more unfair situation than what we just read about. These guys are um, arrested by the police. They're beaten. And they're thrown into the, the deepest, darkest place in the dungeon. You know what their crime was? Do you think they'd murdered somebody? Do you think they had, had raped someone? Do you think they committed a violent act or a crime or something? Let me tell you what their crime was. They had shared the good news of Jesus Christ that he'd come into this very broken world of ours, the world that we messed up by our own sin and choices, and he has rescued us from our hopelessness. He has redeemed us from our sinfulness. He has forgiven us of our failures in life. He has given us purpose in life, and he's given us a promise of a future in eternity with heaven and him. Wow, there's a real crime, isn't it? 
telling someone that God loves them and cares about them. Not only that, the Bible says in earlier verses of this, they were healing the sick as they were going. They were helping people in their way of life. They were lifting burdens off of people. They were pointing people to a way of life that benefited them and pointed God's rescue and redemption into our lives. And for this, their door prize, you ready for this one, Johnny? Jail, being beaten within an inch of their life and being imprisoned. That's not fair. It's not fair. You ever had anything in your life happen that wasn't fair to you? How'd you respond? I have. And I'll be real frank with you. My response has not always been like Paul and Silas. It's not always been great. It's not always been honoring to God. I'm a human being and I respond like humans do sometimes like that. And I cry out to God and I say, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Now, I've watched this happen. Sometimes we have a bad day or a bad moment or we respond that way in our lives. But I want to tell you something. There's a difference in having a bad day to making it a lifestyle or a pattern in your life. Let me show you what happens sometimes. Some of us sit out and we say, I'm going to love God. I'm going to follow God in my life. And all of a sudden we get to a place where something happens. It's not right, not fair, whatever. We go through difficult life, difficult storms, difficult circumstances. And what do we do? I watch people become pragmatic in the way that they live. God gave my life to you. You got me thrown in jail. I can take it from here. I can do better with my life than you can. And so we start networking. We start falling back on our own wisdom, our own resources, our own ways. We start creating and navigating our own way out of things. We start becoming very practical or pragmatic, pretty much like everybody else around us, right? It's the way of the world. It's the way everybody lives, right? So what's wrong with that? You got to figure that out and you got to understand that or you won't get along in this world, right? So people become pragmatic in their responses. Secondly, I've watched people train wreck their lives with this one. Set out, loving God, serving God, something bad happens in their life, something unfair happens, they become bitter. You ever run anybody bitter in your life? It's a bad place to be. It makes you miserable, it makes everybody else around you miserable. Hebrews says that a small seed of bitterness in your heart can spring up into a great tree in your life. And by it, many people are affected or we might even say infected because of bitterness. People who started out with love and happiness and joy and peace in their lives, loving God, serving God, and something happened in their lives, it completely derails them and they become negative, critical, bitter in their spirit They lose their joy, they lose their direction in life, and they literally become kind of derailed in what God would have them to do in their life. Been there, had days like that. There's a third option, though. You can become pragmatic, you can become bitter, or, I love this one, you can become a better person through it. Again, I've lived life long enough to know that the deepest most profound character that God's ever built into my life has come through my most difficult experiences. Now, I will tell you, I, I, who wants to go through tough times, right? Can I get a sign-up list today? Anybody want to sign up and say, put me through tough times? Nobody wants to go through difficult experiences. Nobody wants to have the doctor come in and say, 
you're really sick. Nobody wants to have the company come in and say, we're downsizing your, your, um, your position. Nobody wants to have a college say, we're not accepting your application. Nobody wants difficult things to come into our lives that cause us to experience pain and hardship and look at it and say, this isn't fair. But the greatest moments of learning in my life, the deepest character that God has ever built into my life, has come in the darkest days. It's come in the most painful moments. Gang, I want to tell you something. Life is 10% what happens to you. And 90% how you respond to it. We have choices to make. When life hands us these difficult moments, we can become pragmatic and figure our own way out. We can become bitter and say it's not fair the rest of our days. Or we can become better as God develops deeper, more profound character in us. I want to give you that as a background. Now I want to look at what happened in the story. So look at a second thing with me. Not only does uh, peace have little to do with fairness... But peace is in your condition, not in your position. Verse 25 blows me away. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were cursing God, and swearing, and angry, right? Isn't that what it says? Anybody reading scripture with me? Is that what it says? No. I don't get this. Blood oozing out of their wounds where they've been beaten. A few hours early, they're out in the streets helping people, lifting people's lives, sharing the gospel of Christ. Now they're chained to a dungeon wall. Probably not in a clean little nice cell like we see on pictures today, but in straw and rat infested, ugly places. Let me read it one more time. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And watch this. The other prisoners were listening. This story is amazing to me because of the response of these two guys and what they went through in life. The difficult circumstances that they faced. The unfairness of their circumstances and their surroundings. There's no reason for there to be peace in this. That's the recipe for stress and internal conflict and anger and bitterness and all of these kinds of emotions. And instead, they're praying and they're praising God. They're worshiping. And the other prisoners were listening to what they were saying. Are you ready for this? Your attitude when you go through difficult times determines your altitude that you will experience in this life. The attitude that I choose in moments that are trying and painful and difficult determine for my life. The heights that I will reach in my life and for God are the depths that I will sink to in my own making. 
Winners never whine and whiners never win. And it's so easy for us in moments like this to reach for and grab the things that that are unfair and call them out to God and call them out to our friends and say, you know, I just can't believe this happened. I can't believe the doctor walked in and said this. I can't believe he should, he did this to me or she did that to me. I can't believe they did this to us. And watch this. I've had to learn this in my own experience. A critical negative spirit is a sure sign that you're lacking peace in your life. How could these guys be having a worship service after what just happened to them? It doesn't make sense, does it? Either they're crazy or they know something that maybe some of us haven't tapped into yet. What's also incredible about this is it's unique. Because they were responding not in a normal, natural, understandable human response to their given circumstances. People were watching them. Isn't that really what Christ kind of called us to do? To be lights in a dark world and to be salt in a world that is corrosive and dying and decaying around us. And I want to ask us a question today, not just First Baptist Russell, Louisiana, but the church in America today, is the world looking at us out of curiosity going, what is it about those people? Just a thought. Something for us to ponder. Praise, prayer, and worship are the antidotes to stress, worry, fear, anxiety and bitterness in your life. I worshiped here a moment ago with you guys here on the front row. God just blessed my heart as I was singing with you all and we lifted our eyes beyond the words on the screen to declare the theological truths of who God is and to worship him. That was, that's special. I enjoy that. Now, I'm not criticizing it at all, but I want to say this. It's probably fairly easy for me to do that today in a perfectly conditioned room with a nice padded chair there right beside me and everybody's smiling. We're being nice to each other and shaking hands. It's kind of easy to worship there, isn't it? What do you do when your world falls apart? What do you do when you experience unfairness? What do you do when you experience pain? What do you do when you get bad news? I told you I've had some bad days. I've had some days where... I let my heart become pragmatic. I let my heart maybe have a bitter day. I I thought, you know, God, you and I cut a deal. I do all the good stuff. You make good things happen in my life. What's the the bad stuff? I didn't know that was coming. You know how God got me out of that? Some of the greatest worship moments I've ever had in my life have not been in the comfort of a wonderful church facility. They've been as, I had tears streaming down my cheek. And as I was battling my own emotions, my own thoughts, my own feelings, I would put a worship CD in my car as I'm driving and I'd listen to it. And God would just captivate me in that moment. And as I began to pray to God and as I began to praise him in spite of what my circumstances might be, in spite of what I might be going through, in spite of what I might not consider fair, God would flip my perspective from seeing the size of the problems that I was facing 
to the size of my God who is so much greater than my circumstances. When you complain, when you whine, when you say it's not fair, I don't understand. Why is God doing this? Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why hadn't God worked in this way? Why didn't God do this? What People understand. We all understand that. But they won't stop and look. Because that's what everybody does. When you're going through difficult moments in your life and you still praise God, you still worship Him as Lord, You still declare his infinite worth. Let me tell you something. People will begin to take notice in your life. I want to look at the powerful result that comes out of this when we get this lesson. Look at the third thing that we're going to look at in the final thing today. Peace, real peace, becomes contagious then. Pick up verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that all the prisoners had escaped. So he drew out his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for light, ran down to the dungeon, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all that lived uh, in his household. Even that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. He washed their wounds and then he and everyone in his house was immediately just like we witnessed this morning, baptized as followers of Jesus Christ. It was the last time someone ran into your life and said, please tell me how I can be saved. As I said If we respond naturally to natural human circumstances, everybody gets it. But what's incredible about this story is that the way that Paul and Silas allowed their hearts to be lifted to God in the middle of difficult circumstances became a declaration to others around them. Notice something about this. I don't know, uh, y'all remember the story a couple of weeks back, the guys that broke out of New York prison and the expansive plan that they had? I don't know a prisoner in the world who if the doors flew open and the chains fell off wouldn't be breaking for it, right? No wonder the guy pulls his knife out. He's responding normally. He's going to kill himself because he's failed in his responsibility of watching all the prisoners. And they go, hey, wait a minute. Everybody is still here. Now think about that. Every one of those prisoners had a chance to break for it, but why didn't they go? Why? Because Paul and Silas had been worshiping and praying and everybody was listening. 
Now there's an earthquake. Everything breaks. They've got a chance to run for it. They're sitting there mesmerized, listening, saying, tell us what it is that you have that we don't. They have a chance to run toward freedom, but they stay because they want to discover true freedom. Freedom for their lives. Paul brings the jailer in, Silas as well, and they share with him the greatest words that have ever been spoken in the human language. Jesus Christ, God's only son, wrote himself redemptively redemptively in his own story. He came into a broken, messed up world that we had all destroyed. He lived a sinless example and the loving life of the Father in front of us. Treacherously, this world belied him, lied about him, and hung him on a cross, but he willingly laid down his life in those moments so that he could become the redeemer of mankind. He could forgive each and every one of us of everything that we've ever committed as sin in our lives, disobedience toward God. Every one of us is a prisoner. Every one of us has a sentence on our life. But the judge set on his chamber and Christ came and said, I want to pay the price. So there is freedom. There is forgiveness. There is life. There is joy. There is peace found in Christ. And this man, probably a a very hardened, crusty, you don't imagine prison guards of being really nice guys, right? Who hours before was probably kicking them and slapping them and hitting them and talking ugly to them. Now he's washing their wounds. And he says, how do I... How do I find this life that you, what do you have that I don't have? And they said, believe on this Jesus and you will be saved. I know your pastor. I know his heart for lost people, for what we call evangelism in the church. And I'm sure you're regularly called to share your faith with others around you with your friends, with co-workers, with neighbors, with family, with all kinds of people that God gives us radiance of influence in our lives around us. And we feel like, well, I can't lead anybody to Christ. I, I don't even know the words to say or all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. If you begin to radically live out your faith, you begin to commit yourself to being an authentic follower of Christ and not respond like everybody else does where we all get it, we all understand, but nobody's watching. You can complain and people will understand because they have their own set of problems, but let me tell you, they're not going to listen because they have their own set of problems. But when they see something different in you, when they see light in darkness they will be drawn to it. And who knows? You may have a classmate, a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member, someone walk into your life and say, what do I have to do to be saved? 
your light in darkness may lead someone else to life. Life in Christ. Incredible lessons that come out of this story. Lessons that inspire me, that challenge me, that call me to higher living. To not just responding as a prisoner to my own human instincts, my feelings, my emotions, my, my, my feeling of whether something is fair or unfair, whether it's good or bad, but understanding that God has a different perspective for me. And if I can begin to see life the way God wants me to see it, and I can begin to live life through prayer and worship and praise as a lifestyle that God, God may use you or me to speak in someone else's life that leads them to eternal life. Do you understand what that means? We talk about it so much in church, I just think we're numb to it. People are just living life, driving to work, going to school, doing their stuff. People are dying all around us to face Christless eternities. God wants to use you. God wants to use your life your story, your message, your truth of Him living His life through you. I don't know you today. You don't know me. We don't know about our lives, but I can tell you this. God's truth is transcendent to that. Whatever you walk through those doors, these doors, wherever you walked in this room a moment ago, the truth is, there may be nobody else in this room that knows all that's going on inside of you. The struggles that you walked in the room with, the pain that you're feeling that's silent down in your heart, the stress, the worry, the fear that you have. I believe God sent me here today to tell you, you need to let it go. Trust Him. Lift your eyes to Him and off of your problems. And watch God work in power in your life. Maybe you walked in this room a moment ago. And you're a good person. You try to do your best. You live life as best you understand. But a little bit like this jailer, you've never had an experience in your life where someone has looked at you and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You've never bowed a knee, trusted your heart, given your life to Christ to redeem you and to save you. Just like these beautiful people who came a moment ago. You've never declared through baptism my, my allegiance, my loyalty, my commitment to follow Christ till my dying breath. Today you have the opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to say, I want Christ in my life. I want his forgiveness of all that weighs me down in guilt and shame and sin. I want freedom in my life. I want to spend eternity with him in heaven. You have that freedom, that choice. I would pray you'd come just like that jailer and say, what must I do to be saved? I don't know if you've got a spiritual family that you belong to. Most of you probably call this your church home. But maybe you came in here today and you're not connected to other spiritual believers. I, as I said, I know your pastor. I know his heart. I know his love of people. His love for the Lord. It's a great place to commit your life and say, I want to grow 
and I want to help others to go around me in this spiritual community. Or maybe quietly, the Spirit maybe ambushed you a little bit today. And you walked in for just another church service, and God said, whoa, wait a minute. Do you have peace in your life? There may be some burden you need to lay down, some problem that is literally eating your lunch, and you just need to let it go. You need today to pray and to worship and to praise your way back into the presence of your Father. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. You've heard the words. I pray you've heard God's Spirit whisper in your heart. Now comes that ever-crucial moment. What am I going to do with it? What do I do when God speaks in my heart and my life? Just kind of tuck it away because I, I kind of worry about what maybe other people think or, I, you know, we got to hurry and get to lunch or something. I want to tell you there's nothing more important right now than you being in close proximity to a God who is madly crazy in love with you and wants you to know that in such a powerful way. Father, I pray that your mercy as well as your power and your strength, might minister in this moment. I pray that you'll give us the courage in our hearts to respond to what your Spirit has said to us. And whatever that means, whatever it looks like, whether it's to walk down here and take a loving pastor by the hand and say, what must I do to be saved? To say, I want to be a part of this spiritual community and help it to grow and honor Christ and be light and darkness around us in this community. Whether it's to come and let go of a burden in our lives. Whether it's to leave this room and to go somewhere and make something right. Whatever it is you're calling us to do right now, I ask you to give us the courage and the obedience to do it. May we respond in faith.